you have your Bibles, open up to the book of Psalms. A great deal of our text is going to come out of Psalms this morning. And, uh, you know, last week I asked Travis what it would be like if I just stood in front of him and watched him worship. And today, he didn't come back. <laughs> he, uh, I got tickled when I thought about that. But I, I, I did begin last week to talk about what it means to truly be passionate in our worship. Not just to show up in our worship, but for us to be a people who are truly engaged in, in worshiping God. You could almost turn to any one of the Psalms and you could find inspiration for worship because that's what the Psalms, for the most part, are. They're, they're proclamations of the worship of God. Let me extol the greatness of God. I just picked out Psalm 111. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with all of my heart in the company of the upright and in the assembly. Isn't that what we're striving to do here today? Isn't that what we're here in this place and in this time at this moment for? Isn't that our goal? What we're trying to, to, to accomplish and, and we have, you know, we have things that are going on and people we need to see and we got a potluck after church and we got camp starting this afternoon and different activities to sign up for, but, but take, take all of that away. The reason that we are here in this moment and in this time and in this place is to praise the Lord, to give thanks to the Lord with all of our heart. You know, I, I think in my life, I've, I've said thank you to a lot of people for a lot of things. My, my mother raised me, you know, please and thank you. What are they? They're, they're, they're the magic words, right? I know how to say please and thank you. But I think there's a difference in saying please and thank you and in saying thank you with all of my heart. And I don't just do that alone. I do it in the company of the upright and in the assembly. I don't just do it as an individual, but we come together as a body to put our minds upon our God and to worship and to praise His name. That doesn't get accomplished by me sitting somewhere. That gets accomplished by me praising someone. Great are the works of the Lord. They are, they are studied by all who delight in them. Splendid and majestic is his work and his righteousness and endures forever. For he has made his wonders to be remembered. For the Lord is gracious and compassionate. He has given food to those who fear him and he will remember his covenant forever. He has made known to his people the power of his works in giving them the inheritance of the nations, the heritage of the nations. For the works of His hands are truth and justice, and all His precepts are sure. They are upheld forever and ever, and they are performed in truth and uprightness. He has sent redemption to His people. He has ordained His covenant forever. Holy and awesome is His name. For the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and good understanding have all those who do His commandments, His praise endures forever. We, we very well could spend our time here this morning just reading and singing the Psalms. They are so powerful when it comes to giving us not just attendance and, and not just worship, 
but, but passionate worship. Passionate worship wherein we are worshiping with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our strength. Those things that happen, that happen inside of you, that worship that happens here. I was, I was thinking this morning, I, I don't know if many of you guys had, had a conversation with Mr. Barry, but, but it wasn't much of a conversation this morning. He had some surgery done this week, and they, and they said, they said you can't talk for other five days, I think is what they said. And most of us would cheat, but if you know Mr. Barry, you know he doesn't cheat. It's not in his vocabulary, right? He's going to do what he's supposed to, what's supposed to be done. And, and so if you talk to him this morning, just kind of shook his head up and down. He used some sign language that his wife was interpreting for me, and the, 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 you know, but I got to thinking about that, not about a conversation, but about what that means in terms of being here to worship today. See, because he wasn't even able to sing a song. He wasn't able to say amen. My question is, was he able to worship? I, I think about our brother. Our brother Andy's supposed to have some pretty major surgery. Going to change his life in a lot of ways in, in, just, in just, a, uh, just a little bit over a week. And, and he's not going to be able to sing at the top of his lungs. And he's not going to be able to, to, to read the scriptures in the way out loud that he has. But he's still going to be able to worship. And so whether you're a good singer or a bad singer, what, 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 whether you find the books or you don't, what, what, whether, whatever the outward things are, I'm asking us about the praise that we are giving God from our heart and from our soul. Give thanks to the Lord with all of your heart. That's how we want to worship. I talk a lot about God. I know I talk a lot about God in my preaching. And, and sometimes I think, well, maybe I should be more, more practical. And sometimes maybe I should be more topical. But can I tell you that I, I just I know in my heart that what you think about God... What you think about God changes everything else. And, and if you can get it, if I can get it, that our God truly is a great God. If we can comprehend His power and His strength and His nature, then, then so many of the other things become so much smaller and so easy to deal with. But if we don't see the greatness of God then every little thing becomes this big thing that's almost impossible to deal with. And so I talk a lot about God because I truly believe that what you believe about God impacts everything else. It impacts what we're doing here this morning. Do we truly believe that our God is a God who is worthy of our worship? Because we don't worship many things intentionally. Do we? We worship ourselves. We do what we want. We give attention to, what, to our desires. We make sure that, that, our, that, that, that our desires are met. We're, we're all experts at that. And if you're not, you can preach next Sunday. Okay? But I think you've got enough flesh that every one of us are experts at that. But I want to worship God. 
And I can tell you, I have written this sermon like five or six times. I've, I don't even have PowerPoint this morning. And it's not because I didn't do, I, I, I'm Travis, I put in, I, thanks for coming to worship. Apparently you were doing, you know, he was serving in the back, I guess. But, but this idea of, I, I, think, I think I came up with like five or six PowerPoints this week. And I just kept scrapping it because, you know, you ever have something that's so clear? It's so clear, but to have the words to, to, I mean, describe love, right? And, and there's a, there's a part of, there's a part of you that's like, I mean, I don't, there's some, I, I could fill, I could fill the world with words and it wouldn't, it wouldn't express the love that I have within my heart for my wife and for my children. But th- there are other times when I, I just like, I, I, I don't know because the words seem so inadequate, right? I mean, to me, this, I, this concept of God is, I can talk and talk and talk. I'm good at talking. You guys know that. But, but to truly express the worthiness of God. So I'm coming into a, to an assembly or I'm thinking about coming into an assembly. What, what is it that goes through my mind that helps me to shift gears? What is it that, 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 that helps me to go from I'm going to talk about the ball game to I'm going to praise God? I'm going to praise God like I read about in the Psalms. I'm going to give you four things this morning, and you could probably add to that. Great, wonderful. Make your own list. Work through it whenever you come into worship. But I'm, I'm, I'm asking you to, to do this. Number one, when we think about our God, I'm telling us that He is someone who is worthy of our worship because He created us. You know, one of the great questions that we deal with uh, in the world today is, is where in the world do we come from, right? And people have, people have asked this question over and over and, and tried to come to understanding of, I, I mean, I know, I know where I came from, but, but, you know, every one of us has parents and we have grandparents and whether they were good or bad, that's kind of indifferent. We, we still have them, but where do they come from? And then where do they come from? And all the way back to the beginning, to the, to the first man and to the first woman of asking that question of, where did it all come from? And we understand that there was a time when there was nothing. I mean, th- th- there was a time when there was nothing physical. When, when this world didn't exist and, and, and your homes didn't exist and the mountains didn't exist and people didn't exist and birds didn't exist, nothing existed. And you try to wrap your mind around that, but, but to understand that physical things are all of a very temporal nature. We, we all know that, right? That they, everything had a, has a beginning and everything has an end and You don't know anything in the physical world that that doesn't somehow fit into that. So there was a time when there was nothing. But there was God. Genesis 1 and verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Where did the world come from? It came because there was one before the world. There was one before everything that is physical, and that is the one that we worship. The one who spoke the world into existence. John would begin his gospel. He would begin his gospel of Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
He was in the beginning with God, and all things came into being by Him. Apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. Where does it all come from? That's the one that we worship. So, so we, we understand this, this conceptually, don't we? Next, next week is Father's Day, right? It's not quite as important as Mother's Day, but, but it's still a pretty good thing, right? Next week is Father's Day. And there are people that we will honor, and, and part of what we will honor is just that's where we came from. You wouldn't be here if it wasn't for your father. Every one of us has a source. We, we understand that a little bit when it comes when, when it comes to honoring our physical our physical parents, but this goes beyond all of that. This is about where did everything come from? To talk about the, the heavenly Father, who is worthy of our worship. I've known some people who could do some amazing things. I've known some talented people, some intelligent people. I've known some athletic people. I've known people who could do things that, I mean, I could work and work for all my life, but I could never do them. I've never met anyone who could speak matter into existence. As a matter of fact, if I I remember, uh, you know, uh, seventh grade physical science, I think I was taught that's impossible. The law of the conservation of energy and mass. I'm bumbling some words. It was seventh grade. It was a long time ago. But some of you teachers will correct me when I'm but that, that's okay. To fill me in on that. But you can't create matter. God did. Because there was nothing. In the beginning, God. And I don't just worship the one who brought everything into existence. I worship the one who brought me into existence. The psalmist would say in Psalm 139, Psalm 139 and verses 13 and 14, for you did form my inward parts. You disweave me in my mother's womb. And we look at those verses and rightfully so when we talk about the right to life and and protecting children from from murderous uh, abortions and, and things of that nature. Wonderful. Use them in that way. But to understand that they mean a lot more than the fact that we shouldn't be killing babies. They speak to my existence. As a man, you formed my inward parts. You weaved me in my mother's womb. Watch this, this is verse 14. I will give thanks to, the, to thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. My very existence, I owe to a physical mother and father. My very existence, I owe to a spiritual father who made me, who created me. And because of that, I will praise him. I wouldn't be here if it were not for that God. And I know God makes all sorts of people and all sorts of places and all sorts of shapes and all sorts of languages and all sorts of situations. And, and I mean, it's overwhelming when you think about it. But, the, but at, what I'm really concerned about at this very moment is that God chose to make me. 
God chose to make you. As unique of a human being as you are, with all of the life experiences that you've had, with all the life experiences that you're going to have, fearfully and wonderfully made, I will give thanks to you. Our God is worthy because our God has created us. But, but our God did not only create us, our God also cares for us. Jared read for us from Paul's sermon on Mars Hill there in Acts chapter 17 when, when he's trying to get these religious people to think about God and, and who they worship and why they worship. And, and he speaks of that God. There in Acts chapter 17 and beginning in verse 23, he talks about that unknown God that he will proclaim to them. Verse 24, the God who made the world and all the things in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth and does not dwell in temples made with hands, neither is he served by human hands as though he needed anything. God's not lucky to have me here. God. God isn't desperate for me to show up. He wants me to show up. He wants me to worship. He desires those things. But I don't add anything to God. I don't do God a favor by the... You know what? I think I'll sing on this next song. I think I'll actually pay attention to the sermon today. I think I'll actually decide that I'm going to be nice to somebody today. God wants all of those things. He desires them. He doesn't need those things. You sit there like a bump on a log Sunday after Sunday with passion not even be a part of the, vo- of, the, of the vocabulary. And he's still God. And he's still love. And he's still justice. Since he himself gives to all life and breath and all things and made from one every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and boundaries of their habitation. Is it? I mean, what is he saying about how God works? I want you to think about this God. I want you to think about this God as it relates to the rise and the fall of nations. And we think about ourselves and our place and our our little corner of the world and our little segment of, uh, of time. Truthfully, it's very small, but we think of it as very big. And he said God's in control of all of that. God's in control of the, of the rise of a nation. God's in control of the outcome of wars. God's in control of the downfall of nations. And we could speak of it, and we could speak from these verses as that one who, who decides that, that this nation is going to be this large and this nation is going to be this small. But we can also speak of it from these words in regards to my life, His creation. All of those who live on the face of the earth, determining their appointed times. Sometimes I wonder, what would it have been like to have lived in the 1800s? I think about that because preaching was very different in the 1800s. And you, and you read about this, this fire and this revival that, that swept through our land. And it, it was very different than it was today. Sometimes I think, you know, boy, it would be different to live in a Victorian place or maybe, maybe, to, be, maybe to live in the future, but, but I'm not. Wes Hazel was born in 1977 and one day I'll die. I don't know when, but God knows. And do you know the reason? 
Do you know the reason that I'm going to live from 1977 to whenever this world ends? Because that's when God wanted me to live. God put me here for a reason, for a purpose. Why was I born in this country? Good to have Spin back with us. Spin just came back from Costa Rica. We've got a group of folks down in Peru, missionaries all over the world. And I can tell you the one thing that you always think of when you go to these different places, whether they be second or third world countries, is why was I born where I was born? I mean, no matter how many times I've had that thought, I can't escape it every single time that I go back. I don't know. And there's almost always some guilt associated with it. And, you know, I've told you before, I just want to kind of come home and sell everything I have because, because I'm just so blessed and I don't understand why. I still don't understand why, but I know that I have been, that God understands why. And the whole point that I'm trying to make is not just that God created us, God didn't just create the world and wind it up like a clock and step back and say, well, now we'll see you guys at the end. That's not the God we're worshiping. No, our God is worthy because He not only created us, but He also cares for us. That they should seek God, if perhaps they might grope for Him and find Him, though He is not far from each one of us to explore this idea of how God is so intimately involved in all of our lives. And I know that your life is just like my life, and you have more questions and you have answers. But I hope and I pray that as you grow in this life, you cannot help but look at your life and see the hand of God, and see how He works, and see how He has used the, the very worst of situations to bring about His glory, to accomplish His will. More than likely, there are those of you who are sitting there right in the midst of situations, and you say, I don't see how God could ever bring good from this. And the truth is, I look at your situation as I say, I don't see it either. But that's how great our God is. Those promises that He makes in Romans 8 and verse 28 to, to work all things together for good to those who love the Lord. To take the biggest messes of our life and actually accomplish some good with them. That's the God that we serve. That's the God that we serve. The psalmist, and once again, we could look at many psalms, but I thought about Psalm 56, where he talks about our relationship with God. Listen to what he says. It's here in Psalm 56, it's a pretty short psalm. Be gracious to me, O God, for man has trampled upon me. Fighting all day long, he oppresses me. My foes have trampled upon me all day long, for they are many who fight proudly against me. What's he saying? He's saying life is hard and it's it's defeating me. When I'm afraid, I will put my trust in in thee, in God, whose, whose word I praise. In God I have put my trust, and I shall not be afraid. What more can man do to me? All day long they distort my words. All their thoughts are are against me for evil. They attack, they lurk, they watch my steps as they have waited to take my life because of wickedness cast forth from them. In anger put down the peoples, O God. Why, why Why is he praying? Why is he praising? Listen to verse 8. 
For thou hast taken account of my wanderings and put my tears in thy bottle. Are they not in thy book? I don't know about you, but most of my tears I cry in private. I mean, throughout my life, I'm, I don't know, there's some crying preachers out there, but I'm probably not one of them. But, but he's talking about those moments when I'm just overwhelmed in life. God knows. God knows. He puts my tears in a bottle. Man, I just find the imagery so powerful there. I mean, so we, we, we live every day, and, and, and in this world, it is as if nobody cares at times, isn't it? Well, I think one of, one of the great appealing characteristics of the church is to be a part of a body where people actually care about you. Because we live in a world where it seems like nobody cares. And God says, I care. I put your tears in a bottle. Are they not in, in thy book? Where well, we can take them to our God. Psalm 123 Psalm, Psalm 123, he, he speaks of appealing to God, but, but listen to the way he, he speaks of God. To thee I lift up my eyes, O thou who art enthroned in the heavens. Behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of the master, as the eyes of the maid to the hand of her mistress, so, so our eyes look to the Lord our God until he shall be gracious. You see those eyes that are looking up? Those eyes that look up as a maid to her mistress? As a servant to their master? The eyes of a child looking to their parent? You, you know the look, don't you? When I read this verse, I, I, thought about, I thought about my children when we first got them their shots. Isn't that a terrible experience, parents? When you take your children to get shots, because, because they trust you. And, and someone comes to them, and they put this needle in them. And we didn't have one of those, one of those cute doctors that did the little tissue dance and completely distracted the kid. Uh, you, maybe you've seen that on, on YouTube. Uh, we didn't have one of those. We had this doctor came in and say, hi, how are you doing? And gave him a shot. And I remember the look. Both of my children had it. I'm assuming all children have it. Where, where they, look at, they look at you as their parent. And there is this look of, do something. This person has just done this terrible thing to me, and you're supposed to take care of me. Right? And that's, that's what I think he's getting at here in, Psalm, here in Psalm 123. We lift up our eyes to thou who art enthroned in the heavens. We look up to our God in the midst of our life and say, God, help me. That's why we praise God. You, you, you can come to me all day long. I can't fix your problems. I can come to you and you can't fix my problems. I'm just as overwhelmed as you are. But I want to come together to worship a God who is not overwhelmed. He's not overwhelmed by cancer. He's not overwhelmed by death. He's not overwhelmed by losing a job. He's not under, o- overwhelmed by, by, by people's uh, fickle faithfulness. He's God. I'm overwhelmed by all those things. I'm frustrated by every one of those things. But I come to worship a God who is not. The point trying to be that that God is intimately involved in every single one of our lives. So worship Him. 
because He cares. He created us. He cares for us. But still yet, God is something different. He is holy. See, if, if all worship was about was about where we came from or about people that care about us, we, most, of us could, most of us could worship our, our own physical parents. But, but God is something different. God is something different. Our parents, they're just a man. They're just a woman. But God is holy. The psalmist would say in, in, psalm, in psalm 99, speaking of the nature of God. Psalm 99, the Lord reigns. Let the people tremble, for He is enthroned above the cherubim. Let the earth shake. The Lord is great in Zion and is exalted before all the peoples. Let them praise Thy great and awesome name. Holy is He. Skip down to verse 9. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at His holy hill, for holy is the Lord our God. The idea of being holy, we've talked about this before, but it just means God is separate, right? Something that is holy is, is set apart. It's separated for the purposes of God is ultimately what it means. But God is different. God is set apart from everything else, to quantify the nature of God, I already began, is so difficult. But He's not a man. He's not even just a great man. He's God. He's the great I Am. He is the deity. We remember in the book of Isaiah, when Isaiah finds himself there in, in, in the throne room of God, and, and there he has he has this, 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 this scene where there are the holy angels, the, the, the seraphim, right? Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 2, Seraphim stood each above him, each having six wings, and with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. Listen, even the angels, when they come into the presence of God, they cover their face and they cover their feet. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, Holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. Do we get the point? We don't worship a man. We worship the one who is different from everything and everyone. Our whole sermon, our whole series of sermons could be on the holiness of God. But I want us to make this point. That's why He's worthy. We can play these games about men and you can say something good and I can say something bad. Or I can say something good and you can say something bad about every man that you know. Not about God. Not about God. He is preexistent. He created us and He cares for us and He is holy and He is the one in whom we find salvation. Peter said, Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 1, 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved for you in heaven." 
who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Blessed be our God. Why? Because He has caused us to be born again. If you're here this morning and you say, I'm a Christian. If you're here this morning and you say, I have a home in heaven. If you're here this morning and you can say, well, I've done a lot, I've sinned a lot in my life, but that's an old man that I put away. I'm a new man. See, that's what every Christian ought to be saying. But if you're saying that this morning, the only reason that we can say it is because of our God who is worthy. If it were not for His existence, if it were not for His sacrifice, there would be no hope. You would not be a Christian. There would not be a home in heaven. You would have no peace. You would have no joy. You, 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 you would be haunted every day by your sins. But that's not the case for the child of God. So let us come together and worship Him. Let us praise Him. Because He makes all the difference. That's the key. That's the key to a passionate sort of worship. That's the difference in, yeah, I guess we've got to go to church today because we're supposed to go to church today. That's just what we always do. It's what I've always done, always have been. They're there. Every time doors are open, I'm there. And I'm going today to worship God. This is the day. This is the day that His Son rose from the grave. And I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there because He's worthy of me being there. There are memorial services that we will move heaven and earth to be at. Are there not? Sometimes for young, sometimes for old. I have driven many, many miles to be there to honor those whose lives have impacted mine and have passed on from this life. We come together today to worship the God who gave His Son, who died on the cross and was resurrected so that we might have hope. And i gotta, I got to tell myself that in my head, lest I, get, lest I get numb to worship. The idea of things that we get used to. I will never forget the very first time that Nikki Foster saw the Smoky Mountains. Remember that, Nikki? I was going to the marriage retreat, and Nikki said, I've never even been north of Atlanta. I said, well, we're going on a trip. We came around that corner, and she was in the back of that 15-passenger van, and I was driving. I wasn't watching the road. I was watching her. And uh, this be confessed. And, you know, when you come around that bend there in Pigeon Forge, and you, know, you see the mountains for the very first time, the look on her face was amazing. I never seen anything like that. We don't got things like that in Valdosta. And I enjoyed watching her reaction. But I got to thinking about it a little bit later, and I thought, why don't I react that way? I mean, I, kinda, I still like to see the mountains. I like it when you go around the corner, and there they are. You know, it kinda, it's kind of neat. But I don't have a reaction like she had. You know why I don't? I've seen them a bunch. I've just been there a lot of times. I don't want the same thing to happen to my worship. It's not that I don't know anything that we talked about here this morning. I mean, come on, this, this wasn't that complicated. We know these things, but I don't know. I just heard them a bunch. 
I got to set myself down and say, I'm here to worship my God who is worthy. He is worthy because he is the creator. He is worthy because not only did he create us, but he is intimately involved in every one of our lives. He is worthy because he is holy. He is worthy because he is the only one who can bring us eternal salvation. Friends, if you're here today, I'm asking you to respond to that God, to the worthy God. I'm asking you to repent of sin in your life. I'm asking you to be baptized into the death of His Son, washed in His blood. I'm asking you to change your very disposition because He is worthy. You don't do that for me. You do that for Him. I talk about God because what we think about God impacts everything else in our life. So you think about God, and if you are not right with the Creator of all mankind, if you're not ready to stand before the Creator of all mankind, then you answer His invitation. You do it today as we stand and as we sing.